Isaiah 26. Isaiah chapter number 26. Thank you again for praying for me this week. The Lord has been so good to me and faithful and speaking to my heart, not only for other places, but for here. And here is my priority. I always try to make sure that, that my heart is ready when I stand in the pulpit here and God has spoken to my heart. I want you to look in Isaiah 26 and I want to focus on verse 3 and verse number 4. The Bible says, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord forever. For in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength. I want to preach on finding peace in a world of trouble. Finding peace in a world of trouble. I want you to pray with me. Father, I pray now in the name of Jesus that God that you'd use me, speak through me. I know some of these folks have been praying and asking your Lord to help them today. I pray that you would grant it for Christ's sake and for his glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Job said this, that man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. He also said man is born under trouble as the sparks fly upward. And he's referring to the sparks of a campfire as a Go upward. So it sounds to me like that um, probably everyone in here either has had a troubled heart, has a troubled heart, or will have a troubled heart. You know, the Word of God even teaches us that the best of us, along with the rest of us, have to deal with with the troubled heart. The Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the Prince of Peace, who said to His own men, let not your heart be troubled. There in the garden before He went to the cross, the Bible says He groaned within Himself and was troubled in His spirit. So even the best of us from time to time are troubled inside. And then the Apostle Paul said He had trouble on every side. Every side. And so this morning I want you to, uh, to consider some, some things from the scriptures. I, I really feel like that the Lord has given me some, some direction on this, this thought here. And I'd like to deal with it in three specific areas. And so I'm sure that it would take at least three different messages for me to complete this thought. But I would like to, to deal with, number one, peace in your heart. That's what I want to focus on this morning is peace in your heart. The second area that I want to deal with will probably be next Sunday morning. I I, I can't tell the Holy Spirit what to do. I just think this is the direction He wants me to go. I want to preach on the subject of peace in your house. Peace in your house. If there's no peace in your heart, There's not going to be peace at the house. And so the third area would be peace at the house of God. 
Because if there's no peace in your heart, there's going to be no peace at your house. If there's no peace at your house, people tend to bring some of that to the house of God. And that also creates problems. And so I want us to look at some things here in the Word of God. Notice with me here in verse number 3 again. Read that verse with me. A lot of folks, I've seen plaques of this in people's homes. But the verse is not complete in most of the plaques. They only take part of the verse as if there is no personal responsibility involved in this. We know where the source is, but there is some responsibility. The scripture says in verse 3, Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. And that's usually where it stops. But the rest of that verse says because. Is that not a cause and effect? It says because he trusteth in thee. And so, you know, I, I did some research on the common causes of anxiety and troubled hearts and minds. And I'm just doing this in America. Because I know that we are basically a spoiled people. But yet, I don't know what goes on in other countries. Can't always trust their information. Can't hardly trust our information at times. But they said that these were the top reasons of why some people's hearts were filled with anxiety and troubled in their hearts and minds. Number one was fear and worry. They separate the two by saying this, and I agree with it to some degree. It said that fear tends to be about a present situation, while worry tends to cause anxiety about things that have not yet or may not even happen. The second one is stress, and the third one is tension, and the fourth one is shame and guilt. Now, there are various reasons of why some of these things happen. You have finances. Well, finances can certainly bring some tension and stress upon the heart. Your home environment. Your home environment. We'll talk about some of that next week. I personally like peace at the house. I love peace at my home. I love peace in my heart. And I certainly love it at the church house. The other reasons are personal conflicts. Normally you've got something going on with somebody else and your heart's troubled about it. It's not fixed. There's a quarrel or there's a grudge or there's some hard feelings. And then there's the guilt factor. There is a guilt factor that a conscience that has any sense toward God is going to experience when there is unconfessed sin or actions that have grieved the Holy Ghost, you're going to lose the peace of God. Now, there are common effects of this. Now listen, this is more serious than you realize and how, how healthy it is to stay right with God or how it can be healthier for you if you would stay right with God. Because spiritual things inside of us affect the physical realm of our bodies, the soulish part of us. Common effects of anxiety and fear, excuse me, of of troubled hearts and minds. Number one is fatigue. Number two is increased heart rate. this This is facts. Heart palpitations. Shortness of breath. Dizziness, you know, feeling faint. Muscle aches and weakness. 
from constant tension, if you're always tensed up, you ought to be able to relax at home. You ought to be able to enjoy work. You ought to be able to come to church without being all bound up. Headaches, and then your stomach. The Bible has a lot to say about how that your relationship with God and others directly affects your digestive system and your bowels. The word bowels is used several times. It has to do with your gut. What's going on internally has much to do with how things are doing spiritually in your life. Now, the average American's way of dealing with fear or anxiety and stress, they usually attempt to escape from it. Rather than trying to deal with the root of the problem, they just kind of try to drown it out. Here are are the top seven ways that they do that. Number one, endless hours of screen time. Did you hear that? Folks say, well, I just got to get my mind off of my situation. I just got to find a way to get this off of me and out of my mind. So screen time. This has to do with television. It has to do with your computer. It has to do with your phones. It has to do with how many movies, video games, and yes, even pornography that people get involved in to get their minds off of what they consider to be the main trouble that's in their life. And it's just an escape route and usually compounds the situation. Number two, withdrawing from social life. You back away from people, even good people, your friends and your family. You don't need to do that. Because it's going to lead to more depression and possibly suicidal thoughts. You don't need to be doing that. Whether or not you know it or not, you need us. And we need you. Number three, overeating or undereating. You become obese or you become anorexic. They call it comfort foods. People get under, I know a guy, one time I pastored in Louisiana, when he would, when he would, um, when he would get upset about something, man, he would attack the refrigerator. He would. A lot of times our eating habits are controlled by some psychological and spiritual things that are going on in our lives. And I'm not trying to be a psychiatrist. I'm a preacher, and a preacher knows more about the soul of man than a psychiatrist does. Sleeping too much, number four. Because you don't want to get up. You don't want to face reality. You just want to pull a... You know, you just sometimes you feel like you just want to stay in bed and pull the covers over your head and not deal with the day. Alcohol and drugs, we know that to be an escape route. Some people deal with it through their emotional breakdowns and their physical outbursts. They're crying, they're screaming, or they're hitting on other people, and even within their own homes. Temper tantrums are not limited to five-year-olds. Number seven, the last one I want to mention here, is self-medication. With over-the-counter drugs, where they seek relief, sleeping pills, muscle relaxers, anti-anxiety pills, 
but you're only dealing with the fruit. You're not dealing with the root. And you say, well, that's all I want to deal with. I don't want to know what's going on inside my heart. Did you know that sometimes that people are like that? That's why the scripture says they will not go into the wise lest their heart discover itself. Now, they know if they go to a wise man or a wise woman, they know that person can see past the smokescreen and deal with the root of what's going on inside the heart. Some folks are not interested in that because pride kicks into that. And it keeps you from having the peace that you're seeking after. I've seen folks almost, I've seen folks almost have a nervous breakdown and say, Hey, listen, I've got to go outside and smoke a cigarette. I've got to have some relief. And they use the nicotine in the cigarette to help them deal with their stress level at that moment. We're in a mess. If anybody ought to be able to be an overcomer, it ought to be a believer. It should be. And yet we have even a, a trouble in our own hearts. And I want to say again that I'm not throwing rocks at you and I'm not sitting up here in a castle looking down upon you. When I was coming, driving home Monday, I got a phone call from a pastor on the way home. Spoke with him for over an hour because of the his heart was troubled about some things that were going on in his church by one particular woman that was causing a lot of problems in the assembly. You say, well, why don't he just deal with it? Well, because usually there's other things connected to that person that create other problems. You know, it's not just like picking a sore off and then your body heals. It's because sometimes that sore has deep roots and it's connected to a lot of other people. This morning I got a text from Pastor Alan Jenkins. Some of you know him, remember him. Uh, he is a pastor from Ohio, was a pastor there for about 30 years. Great church, mission-giving church. He helped us in our pastor schools here for a number of years. Now he, he runs what is called Nehemiah Ministries. He's sending a boatload of material over to the Ukraine to get some help and relief to those people. Well, last night uh, he went blind in his right eye, drove himself to the hospital, and they told him they think he possibly had a stroke. So he this morning he texted us immediately and said, Would you please, please pray for me? I know I love you guys and I ask you to pray for me. Well, do you think probably his heart's troubled a little bit? Do you think maybe his wife's heart's troubled just a little bit about that this morning? There are, I've got a couple of emails this morning from a couple of missionaries that are over in the Ukraine. This is from Brother Meyer. He said this. Listen, he said, now this is a man of God. This is a man that prays and does his very best to stay close to God, walk with the Lord. And he's been over there for 30 years. 29 in the Ukraine. He said this, I never expected such a tragic situation would ever develop between Ukraine and Russia. This is worse than tragic, but I cannot express it with words. He said, I have prayed and cried with trusted brothers laboring in Ukraine to provide and minister to both the saved and the lost. You think maybe that his heart's troubled a little bit this morning? And then there's Brother... Uh, uh, brother um, and Joseph Abraman in Slovakia, he sent this email to me this morning, and he says the situation in Eastern Europe is critical. He said you can see it on the news. No one could have imagined anything like this happening so close to our door. And they're taking refugees in. They're seeing the results of the war, and their hearts are troubled. 
And so I'm saying that, yes, you know, we sometimes, this is what I think about the Lord sometimes. I think we often wish for the Lord to calm the raging storm that is around us. But I have noticed over the years, instead He calms His child and lets the storm do its pro, pro, providential work in other people's lives. You want Him to stop everything and change everything, but often He refuses to do that. But He can calm you. And He can help you and me in these situations. And there's some. I wrote down some things that, I, that trouble me from time to time. I'm, I don't stay in trouble. I, excuse me. Yeah, I stay in trouble. But I mean, I'm not always troubled. But I am troubled from time to time. And I do my very best to run to, the, to my refuge. And obviously sometimes it's troubling me and, and I have it, that stress and that anxiety when I don't even realize it. You do too. When I had my major heart attack about 10 years ago, he said, man, this is nothing but stress. I thought just part of life. He said, this is directly caused by stress. He said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a Baptist pastor. Oh, I understand. Amen. He said, well, here's what you need to change in your life. And remember, I've told you before and I'll tell you again. You know, he gave me a prescription to go fishing. So from time to time, that's what I do. Doctor's orders. Have to do it. But here's some things that really do disturb my peace. When my grown children make bad decisions or questionable decisions, it troubles me and disturbs my peace. When there are squabbles within my family, when a loved one is hurting and there's nothing that I can do about it. When there are financial setbacks, I have never got up and lifted my hands and shouted with joy when I've had a financial setback. It has always troubled me and grieved me or disturbed the peace. You say, well, you ought to be more spiritual than that. I totally agree with that because God hadn't been anything but faithful to me. He hadn't been anything but faithful. But yet it seems like my heart forgets about all those things that He has brought me through over the years and here's another circumstance and a situation and I find myself troubled in my heart and I'm ashamed of myself. We always seem to think that this one's going to be our undoing. When there's a major repair or loss or there's a medical bill or an automobile that breaks down, I don't ever get excited about that. When they look at the political and the moral landscape of my country, I get troubled. I could not even watch the State of the Union address. I, some of the brethren said, did you watch that? But I think Brother Ken asked me, did you watch that? I said, I couldn't and stay right with God because I knew that it would be a bag of lies. And it would only make me angry and I'd trouble me and I just couldn't do it. I knew that y'all would report back to me about what he said. When your personal health is at risk, long term. 
when there is strife within East River Baptist Church, that probably causes the greatest anxiety and trouble in my heart. Is when there is strife within the assembly. When I see some of you begin to drift away from the Lord and you're not in your place, it bothers me, it troubles me. When I need direction on a major decision, I feel anxious. I shouldn't because God's always been faithful. It's just that He's slow sometimes. This situation with the building, been going on for a number of years. I feel like that every time we get close, somebody moves the goalpost. And I want it for your sakes. I mean, really, at my age, whatever we do and whatever the Lord leads us to do, I'm really doing it for the next guy and the next generation. I'm not going to get to enjoy it there alone. But I'll tell you what I want. I want God's perfect will. That's what I want in the matter. I self-willed about this situation. I promise you, the men that prayed with me on the finance committee, they are not self-willed about this. We want God's will to be done, and we trust that it will be. But I can't tell you that it don't ever bother me because sometimes I'll pray and say, Lord, would you speedily hear me and answer me? And sometimes when there's unjust criticism, I'm just being transparent, when there's unjust criticism toward me or my wife from good people, that troubles me. Now, if it's a knothead, that don't bother me. If it's a gourdhead, don't bother me. If it's a backslidden buzzard, don't bother me. Good people, unjustly, who don't understand some things, that troubles me. But I'll tell you what it does. It drives me to my knees, drives me to my prayer closet to search my heart and make sure is there any truth to the criticism. Do you understand? Do you ever deal with that? And then sometimes, and again, being transparent, I, I dream a lot. I've said that before. I dream a lot. If, I, if I'm taking a nap, I dream. If I go to sleep at night before the morning, I'm going to dream. And I remember my dreams in living color. And sometimes I can't shake the dream. When I wake up in the morning, it affects my soul and my spirit. I cannot explain that, but there'll be a heaviness sometimes that lingers, though I know that was just a dream and I'm trying to get rid of it, get rid of the feelings that came with it. I have to shake it off. That's where I have to go back again to my source. All of these things can be my undoing or they can drive me where I need to be. Now, I want you to look with me in Isaiah 26. I hope that you can, and you probably could add a lot more to this list, but I'm just saying that maybe I've hit the majority of it. If you're a teenager, I know that you probably have a troubled heart about some things, but as you get older, there'll be more responsibilities and more pressures of life that will come upon you. I know you can't wait to get out of high school And you can't wait to grow up and then life will become a lot easier. Yes, I'm still waiting to grow up for that to happen. Amen. Isaiah 26 verse 3. Read this with me there. Here's what I'd like for you to understand though. 
I serve a great God. And did you know that He wants to be known in your life and my life as the God of peace? The God of peace. And the scripture here says, verse 3, Thou will keep him in peace whose mind, not just in peace, but what kind of peace? Perfect peace. Did you know all commentators say that that is shalom, shalom. Peace, peace. Peace from God. Only the peace that God can give. Only the peace that God can give. And the Bible says, whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. Did you know the New Testament? Listen carefully. Bear with me now for just a moment. Romans 15, 33 says, Now the God of peace be with you all. Romans 16, 20, The God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. Philippians 4, 9, Those things which you have learned and received and heard and seen in me do and the God of peace shall be with you. 1 Thessalonians 5.23 says, The very God of peace sanctify you holy. 2 Thessalonians 3.16, Now the Lord of peace Himself give you peace always by all means. I love this one. Hebrews 13, listen to this. It says, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead, I Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do His will working in you that which is well-pleasing in His sight. You will never be able to figure out what God is doing. Your insight is limited. You are just a... As far as God is concerned, you are very critically important to Him, but as far as the big picture is concerned and what He's up to, You are a grain of sand on the desert of humanity. And he's got a whole lot going on. And a sparrow cannot fall to the ground, but he does not know it. There's not a hair on your head that he does not, cannot count. And you are important to him and he cares. But there's a whole lot of information he's not sharing with us. And what he is saying, I want you to trust my nature. I want you to trust my goodness. I want you to trust my wisdom. And yes, even the pain that may hurt you is not going to harm you. It is going to make you better and stronger. And you may not want to be better and stronger, but he wants you better and stronger. And the scripture says here that this is who he is and what he wants to be known. Isaiah said in chapter 9 verse 6, he called the Lord Jesus Christ the everlasting Father and the Prince of Peace. The Prince of Peace. All right, again, let's look at our text. And let me, let me hurry here now. And I want to show you some things in the scriptures, all right? Let's talk to just a moment here about this, this, this verse, about peace. I want you to notice how personal this is. And I want to talk to you about peace in the heart and the mind. Notice in verse number 3 it said, Thou will keep him, these are personal pronouns, in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. 
It is personal. It can happen to you. That perfect peace, it means complete, nothing wanting, freedom from disturbance, agitation, fear, and anxiety. I would love to live in that world. And I'm not talking about from smoking dope. I'm not talking about from sitting on a mountain with my legs crossed and my head shaved with a prison suit on. Do you understand? I'm talking about everyday life, facing it, dealing with it, and yet still being able to maintain my sanity and peace of heart and peace of mind. So, I want you to take notice of the quality. It is perfect peace. And I want you to take notice of the source. It says, Thou. And that Thou... And verse number 4 says, Trust you in the Lord and gives you His name, the Lord Jehovah. I do want to say this morning that there is no peace of God unless there is peace with God. You're going to have to have a relationship with God. Did you know the Bible teaches that there are three kinds of peace? Are you aware of that? Three kinds of peace. There is peace with God. And that is being reconciled to God through the death of the Lord Jesus Christ. You no longer being at enmity with Him. It is a judicial transaction by the federal head of God Himself who stamps it and says you have been forgiven and you have been reconciled unto me through the death of my Son. That's peace with God. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ being justified by His grace, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So have you been saved? Have you been born again? Is your name written in the book of life? Are you a child of God? Do you now qualify to have access to what is called the peace of God? You can't feel that peace with God. That's judicial. That's something God does and that's something God holds on to. It doesn't change from day to day. But the peace of God That is something that God gives to His children. It is something that can be felt. It is something that can be experienced. It can vacillate. It must be maintained. It it does have some requirements. You are going to have to exercise some things and take care of some business. But I tell you what, that has to do with my earthly journey. And I want that. But there is that peace the world gives. The world can give you some peace. But for, listen, if Ukraine and Russia sat down today and they talked and they ceased all hostilities and all conflict, the world would say they're at peace. While on both sides of the border there is hatred, animosity, and ill will. To the world, that's peace. And they say to you in your home, as long as there's no hostility, as long as there's no war, there's peace. While there are hard feelings and and silences and shrugged shoulders and hard looks, but there's no blows, the world calls that peace. The Lord says, I got something a whole lot better than that because He says when the peace of God rules, it deals with the heart. So not only is there a removal of hostility, but there's also a love 
one for another and a care one for another. So when you look at a brother that you may have had a quarrel with and you try to reconcile with him and he says, uh, we're good. But then he doesn't want to have anything to do with me at all. Not in the lightest sense. I wonder in my heart, are we really good? And sometimes I'm satisfied with just no hostility, to be honest with you. But I would like there to be some reconciliation and some peace between me and him. I need you to look with me in this passage. Let me give you three thoughts. And, uh, and we're going to the house. As I told you before, you're not going to my house. Okay? You're going to your house. Amen? Isaiah 26, verse number 3. The Bible says, and now if you're hungry, oh, I shouldn't say this stuff. I get myself in a hole when I say this. If you're hungry, I'm going to send you to Brother Ed's house, all right? Miss Debbie's a good cook. All right. Isaiah 26 and verse 3. That will keep him in perfect peace. Let's talk about this for just a moment. You know you're supposed to let the peace of God rule in your heart? Did you know that? In other words, it's supposed to be a normal and natural thing that you're pursuing, that you're after, that the peace of God would rule in your heart. It would rule, that it would live there, that it would would call the shots. In other words, if you do something or something happens and there's no peace, then he says, okay, let's see if we can find the reason for this. And sometimes it's caused by others. It's got nothing to do with anything you've done. But you still feel the pain. And that's where God will use that to drive you to your prayer closet for you to get on your knees and you go to the source of peace. He's the only one that can help you. You're asking Him to fix that person and God wants to give you some grace. He may not fix that person for a while. But you're going to need to be able to live while that person's not right. You've got to go on with life. Amen. You've got to keep going. You've got a husband and wife that are doing this right here and she wants to stay in the marriage and he does too, but yet there's no peace. You know what? You've got to live with that. You can't just run away from that. You'd like to have wings of a dove and just fly away from your circumstances, but you can't. But you can find some peace. Isaiah 26. First of all, I want you to notice in verse number 3 that this peace he's talking about, that the blessing can be mine. That it's not just for somebody else in this congregation. It can be mine. Jesus said, let not your hearts be troubled. That's mine as well. And Jesus said, peace I leave unto you. It is mine. It can be mine. But I want you to notice, second of all, The blessing can be mine. I can really have this. And I pray that you'd grab a hold of that and not throw that to the floor. I pray that you wouldn't walk out of here and say, oh, he's talking about everybody else in here. It won't work for me. Stop saying that. Stop thinking that. It can be. God wants it to be in your life. But the second thing is, the blessing can be mine, but also the battle will be mine. And the battleground is in the mind. Look what he says. He said, Thou will keep him in perfect peace, whose what? Whose mind is stayed on thee. Now the mind and the heart is connected here. Whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee, 
trust you in the Lord. So the battle will be mental. It will be. The battle will be in your mind. Do you agree with me that you can have a good day and lay down at night, start thinking about stuff, and you'll just be all messed up before you try to go to sleep? You can be have a good morning, get in the car, go down the road, and this thought comes into your mind. You dwell on that thought, and before you know it, you've just got all kind of agitation and anxiety going on in your soul. You're imagining this, and you're imagining that. What about this? What about that? And the Lord says, God has not given you the spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of a sound mind. Philippians 4 says, hey, be careful for nothing. Oh, I sure wish I could do that every day. I wish I could. Be careful for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your request be made known unto God. And he said, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and minds through Christ Jesus. And so I have got to understand that the battle that, that I'm going through is is in the mind. That's why people always got something in their ear or something in their eye. Look at their eyes are looking at. They they do not. They lay down at night and they've got bugs in their ears. I say bugs. Yeah, that's what they are. Got them buds in their ears because they don't want to think. They want the musician to put them to sleep, or they want the movie to put them to sleep. Or they want the drugs to put them to sleep. Or they want the alcohol to put them to sleep. And so this is where they, they, they refuse to fight the battle. You can't do that. You cannot lay down. You cannot live that way. You're shortening your life. And it won't be a quality measure of life either. He says, listen, you've got to think upon that which is true. I've told the Lord sometimes, Lord, I am thinking upon that which is true, and that which is true is not good. The facts are not good. He said, I know the facts are not good. He said, but you don't know what I'm up to. You're going to have to trust me because, big boy, you can't fix everything. I've told him, Lord, that seems like I can't fix anything. Very much. What it does is it really scales back my pride when I realize how helpless I really am underneath the providence of God. You can't live in fear of what might happen to your loved ones. The Lord has the power. I mean, it's like Job. The Lord has the power to take anything he so sees fit at any time. I wish I had a word fitly spoken when our hearts are broken. But I do know this, that sometimes we need to learn to thank God for the time that we've had with some of our loved ones rather than demanding from God that we deserve to have them for the rest of our life. The peace of God. I want you to look at this with me now, okay? I need you to see this. Uh, You know... um, is it 2 Corinthians chapter 10 that says that you're going to have to learn to deal with your imaginations and you're going to have to cast them down and bring every thought under obedience to Christ. 
And this is where the last thought is for you this morning in verse number 4. Well, verse 3 and 4. He said, whose mind is stayed. All right, that means you rest it, you rely upon it, you confide in it, and you dwell there. Now, let's think about that practically. Okay, uh, let's, go to, let's go to a couple of places, and we'll have an invitation. I want you to turn with me to Psalm 61, please. Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Psalm 61. Turn there with me if you would. Because he said there that, that the Lord said stayed upon him and he trusts in the Lord Jehovah. His mind is fixed. And I want, I want it to help you if you're taking note. This is the way I've got it in my notes. The blessing can be mine, number two. The battle will be mine. And it's in the mind, M-I-N-D. And number three, the bulwark that's used in Isaiah 26 verse 1, the bulwark is the Lord. That is our refuge. That is our safe place. That is the castle that we run to. The bulwark is the Lord. It is He Himself. Look at Psalm 61, please. And I've got um, something really heartbreaking happened to me in November of 08, and I've got it written right here next to this passage. Something I could not control, something that somebody else did, and it broke my heart, but it affected me. 1108. And God gave me this. He said in verse number 1, Hear my cry, O God, attend unto my prayer. From the end of the earth will I cry unto thee, when my heart is what? You ever had that? Has your heart ever just been overwhelmed? He says, lead me to the rock. That's that bulwark. That's Jehovah. That is higher than I. He said, for thou hast been a shelter for me and a strong tower from the enemy. Look with me in Psalm 62. Look down in verse number 5. He says, my soul, wait thou only upon God. There it is, that, that's that waiting. There's that being stayed upon. There it is, relying upon the Lord. That's the practical side of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trusting in the Lord with all of your heart, leaning not unto your own understanding. He says in verse 5, My soul wait thou only upon God, for my expectation is from Him. He only, He only. Not TV, not pornography. Not drugs, not my phone, not fishing, not sports, not food. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense. I shall not be moved. And verse 7 says, here's the practical side of this. In God is my salvation, meaning my deliverance, and my glory, the rock of my strength, my refuge is in God. Trust in Him at all times, at all times. And I can put right in there parenthesis, even at awful times. Trust in Him at all times, you people. Now here's what you got to do. This is humility. This is faith. This is trust. This is running to Him. This is confiding in Him. He says, pour out your heart before Him. God is a what? 
a refuge for us. And when God looks down from heaven and He sees a broken and contrite spirit, and He sees somebody that has run to Him for their high tower and their safe haven, and they bow their knee and they call upon Him and say, God, I'm trusting You. I'm hurting. I mean, I'm going down. And God, I trust You. Please help me. Help me, O God. And I promise you that if I, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto my children when they cry unto me, how much more will my Heavenly Father give good things unto them that ask Him? I promise you, if my grandsons called upon on Papa and I heard him crying on the phone, I'd be beating a path to get to him as soon as I could. But I would do what was good for him. And I'm telling you that God cares more about you than you ever could care about your child. He loves you 10,000 times that. You've got to cast your care upon Him. You've got to commit yourself to Him. You've got to wait upon Him. His timing will not always be pleasing to you. And you'll be up, some of the gray heads in here can look back who have trusted on God and they can say God is faithful. And you know what? You're supposed to help me here in this church. You're to provide some stability in this assembly. You're to help some of these younger men and say, hey, listen, stay by the stuff. God is faithful. God will work this out. God has a plan and He's not showing you all of it. You've got to trust Him. God is good. Some of you need to confirm your pastor's message. That's what your role is as an elder, an elder person in this congregation with gray head who trusted God that you can sit back and say, Amen, you will not figure God out, but you can trust Him when you cannot feel Him and when you cannot sense Him. He will be faithful. Wait upon the Lord and He shall renew your strength. You'll mount up with wings as eagles. You'll run and not be weary. You'll walk and not faint. If He is your refuge, if you'll run to Him. Would you please stand to your feet, please, and take a hymn book with me, please. Cindy, would you come? I, I am, Brother Jason, I'm going to lead this song. Turn with me to 7. I think it's 757. I can't write 737. She knew what I was thinking. She's my partner. She's my helpmeet. She gets in my head sometimes. And she realizes how intelligent I am when she gets in there. 737. Invitation. Altar's open. But we're going to sing the first and the last. And I want you to pay attention to what you're singing. If you need to come, talk to God, don't be ashamed. Pour your heart out to Him. Sing with me from your heart.
and mine. The battle is also yours and mine, and it will be in the mind. And the bulwark is the Lord. He is your refuge. Whatever's going on, pour your heart out to Him. Ask Him for some peace and some grace. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you'd encourage your children today and strengthen their hearts and minds. And we'll thank you for that and give you all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen.